0: God has blessed Mr. Starnes to get, he, he killed him a deer the other day. What about that, amen? And uh, uh, he showed me the picture, so uh, um, he asked me, he said, do you like venison? I said, I can eat it, I hadn't ate a whole lot of it and wouldn't know how to cook it if I had it. I said, but my wife knows she'll run the other way. <laughs> but uh, it's good, the Lord allows us to still be active, amen? Praise the Lord. Anyone else before we go to the Word of God tonight? All right. turning your Bibles, if you will, to Revelation chapter number 6. Uh, we are getting ready to get to the portion of the Word of God that gets very... It's all been very interesting, but this is some of the stuff that you're waiting on, I'm sure. And um, it is a uh, very, very good scripture of, of the end time. Uh, That we will be speaking about. But um, after we read this scripture. And when you're seated. You might want to just go ahead and turn over to Matthew 24. In verse number 5. Just for a moment. And I'll read that as well. After we have prayer. And that we're seated. But uh, Revelation chapter number 6. In verse number 1. The Bible says. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon. And take peace, to take peace from the earth. And that they should kill one another. And there, should, and there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal. A, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. That he that, that he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Let us do pray tonight. Father in heaven, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time of prayer. We ask you, dear God, to add your blessings to the word. I pray that you would open up our minds, our souls, dear God, to the preached Word as we continue to teach through the book of Revelation tonight. Lord, I thank you for the Word. I pray that it would be a help. I pray that it would be an enlightenment to someone tonight. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. The dramatic moment has arrived. God's book, the book of destiny, the great book of history, the book that spells out what's to happen in the end time is now to be opened. But if you'll notice, the Lamb does not open the scroll at this point. He merely breaks the seals. And the events of the seals are, are not the end of history in itself at this point. They are the events which immediately precede the end. The seals of the book were have to be broken before the book itself, of course, is open. And the seals are preliminary. Uh, preliminary activity uh, to the opening of the book. And it's exactly what Christ Himself has said that would happen. And I want you to remember tonight that the apostles had asked Christ two questions. They asked Him, when would the temple be destroyed? And they asked Him, uh, what would be the sign of His coming and of the end of the world. Well, Christ answered by giving nine signs and he called this period of history the beginning of sorrows. If you have your scripture, your Bible, uh, open to Matthew chapter 24 just briefly or you can read it from the screen with verse number five and let's look at what the Lord Jesus says. He says, for many shall come. In my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, seeing that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes. "...in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another." And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Note that after these nine signs, after the beginning of sorrow, that is when Christ is saying that the end will come. Folks, if you look at what's going on around us today, you can probably agree that the signs of the times are there. The wars, the rumors of wars... The pestilences, the diseases, the uh, people hating each other. Uh, things just seem to be turned upside down in the world in which we live. A time in which we live where people want us to compromise on the Word of God. May I say tonight, church, the Word of God is still true. No matter if we're in 2017, about to embark on 2018. Or if it was 1948, or 1944, or the 1800s, uh, or the, the time right after it was written. It's still the truth of the Word of God. People will try to change it. People will try to manipulate it. People will try to uh, make it bend toward what they want to believe. But folks, listen, may I say tonight that sin is still sin. God is still God. Heaven is still heaven. Hell is still hell. Uh, This world is turned upside down. It's in a mess. And the only thing that's going to fix it is going to be the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. These things that we have been reading about and studying about in the book of Revelation will come to pass. And folks, I believe we're seeing some of these things, these nine signs. That are represented there in the book of Matthew. I believe we're seeing them today in which we live. I believe that with all of my heart. But folks as we look into the scripture tonight. As we continue our study in the book of Revelation. I just wanted to give you that as a background. Because the dramatic moment has come. The seals that bind the book are now to be broken. One by one they'll be broken, and amazingly as these seals are broken, the most astounding things happen. What is written under the seals of the book leaps off its pages and acts out the events of the future for John and the heavenly host to see. They actually see what appears to be a picture or a movie at the end of the end time and how everything is going down. John is seeing this visually as uh, he is having it penned uh, down in this precious book. The first four sealed judgments seem to be a description of the Antichrist gaining uh, a control over the nations of the earth. And he'll do it by waging war, that red horse. By gaining control over the economy, that's the black horse. And by having uh, the opponents put to death, that's the pale Horse, And in the text, uh, we're going to see, uh, following tonight, we'll see uh, the fifth seal and we'll see what it reveals and how it will show what happens to the souls of Christian martyrs who are actually slain by the Antichrist. And then we'll go on to the sixth seal, which shows God's wrath. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I just want to cover these basic four uh, horsemen tonight, if we could. In the Scripture before us, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself breaks the first four seals. And when He does, one of the four living creatures who surrounds the throne of God thunders forth a a loud command and says to come forth. And when He thunders this command, the terrible scene of some end-time event begins to thunder across the scene of the entire world history. And as we begin to look closer at the Scriptures in verses number 1 and verse 2 tonight, number 1 on your outline, if you have those present with you tonight that we're giving out, you see the first seal, you see the appearance of a white horse and its rider. Who is this rider? His identity has been widely disputed. But the conclusion of most is that he is one of two people. He symbolizes under one thought. I'll give you both thoughts and then I'll tell you what I believe tonight. One thought is that he symbolizes the victorious Christ himself. Or either the victorious proclamation of the gospel. Now it's argued that the color white is always associated with Christ throughout Revelation. In addition, the rider is said to be crowned. Therefore, the rider must be Christ Himself, or one would argue that point. However, when you look at the Scripture, Christ cannot be commanded by heavenly creatures, as which takes place right here in the Word of God. Therefore, it cannot be Christ Himself. So who is this horseman? Who is this conquest, uh, this conquering one as prophesied by Christ over in Mark chapter 13? Well, the second major view and the one that I tend to lean toward tonight and know to be whom I believe to be true, the true writer, is the Antichrist himself. He is the deceiver, so he's appearing in white. We know the devil himself can present himself as an angel of light. But I do believe that this horseman in white is a deceiver. The crown that he wears is different from the crown worn by Christ in Revelation 19. This is a conquering crown, not a royal crown of a king. The bow symbolizes conquest, and in the Old Testament, it's always the symbol of military power. It is further argued to be consistent. One must relate this horseman to the other three, and the fourth four present uh, together present a picture of the four horsemen of the apocalypse that are to descend upon the earth in the latter days with terrifying destruction. In one's uh, interpretation is extremely important to note tonight that when the rider appears upon the scene, he already possesses a bow. But the crown is given to him. After it's given, then he goes forth to conquer. And this points strongly to a counterfeit Christ. An Antichrist. This rider has that bow. The rider is given a crown. Christ is not given a crown tonight, church. One has to say that Christ has been crowned throughout all eternity. He's already had his, has his crown. He's not going to be crowned during this point in time. This rider sets out to conquer. And there's no point at this time which Christ set forth to conquer the hearts of men. He's always been about the mission of salvation He's always been after the heart of man by the way of salvation. That's the conquering that he is doing tonight and continues to do so. And the strongest arguments tonight seem to point toward this white rider being the Antichrist. So how's the Antichrist going to conquer the world? Well, the scripture tells us that it's going to be through Deception. Because of the sins and evil that are of the people, because people have chosen to go the way of sin and evil, the Antichrist is going to be able to deceive them. I'll read a scripture to you from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10, if you want to note it, but I'll read it to you. It says, And then shall the wicked be revealed, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, With all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of righteousness and them that perish because they deceived or because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. People do not receive the love of the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ in the days in which we live. People could care less about the gospel of God. People could care less about salvation. And therefore, God is going to judge the world for this partic- particular predicament tonight. The beginning of His judgment is going to be allowing the Antichrist to come onto the world scene. God is going to allow men to be deceived because they've rejected the love of the truth. They've rejected and cursed Him and His glorious salvation revealed in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, God's going to send strong deception upon the earth. The very deception for which men long. A strong world ruler who seemingly can solve the world's problems and bring some type of utopia to earth. Men are going to give their kingdoms to Him. That is, they're going to sign treaties and agreements that will allow Him to rule over their nations and lives. Folks, we're seeing these things today. Many people could care less about what's in the great book of God tonight. Many people could care less that there's people around us that are dying and going to hell because people have been led down the wrong way. This world that we live in believes that sin is okay. Sin's not okay. It's more that, listen, we can cover it up. We can sugarcoat it all we want to. People don't make those type of mistakes that they want to Listen, it's sin. There's no other way to say it tonight. There's no need to tiptoe through the tulips tonight. And try to paint you a pretty picture that's not there. The millennials. Those people that are in the age of uh, my son and a little older. May I say today that a lot of them have been deceived. And they're deceived of the truth. And they're deceived of the truth because they're hanging around each other believing a lie. Believing that particular sins is okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Many a things in this world today that if you ask someone that may be 24, 25 years old, you ask them, Brother Joe, is this alright to live your life this way? And they'll say, well, why not? Is it, why is it not okay? Everybody's doing it. Just because everybody's doing, it doesn't make it okay. You see, the, 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 the thing today is is not for a man and a woman to be uh, brought together in holy matrimony. The thing is today that you test drive it for a while before you go get married. And the world thinks it's okay. I've encouraged these young girls and young boys around here. You need one of them. That's a wedding band. I know that ain't popular preaching tonight, but I'm not here to be popular. Oh, that's old-fashioned, preacher. That's way out in the left field. Well, to some it may be, but it don't make sense. What you do right. It doesn't make it right. Oh, but everybody else does it. Well, everybody else can be harlots and whoremongers if they want to. Well, the song say, Josh, we're not raising dogs in my house. But to a lot of people, that's Okay. The way they live their life tonight, it's okay. That doesn't mean we have to be mean. That doesn't mean that we have to be rude about it. But people need to know the truth. Amen? All right. You got awful quiet on me right there. I was wondering if you was with me or not. I didn't know if you done got sucked into that generation or not. (laughs) But the answer Christ is going to come. What would cause men tonight to turn the government of the world over to one man? Christ Himself told us in the book of Matthew. He says a world, basically He says this, let me paraphrase it tonight. A world that is full of false messiahs claiming that they have the answers to life will prepare the way for the Antichrist. But their claims are false, therefore they leave the human heart empty and they leave it hopeless." And when the heart is empty and hopeless, it will turn to a person, the Antichrist, who promises peace, who promises something to fulfill them inside, and promises them a heaven on earth. Everything's going bad, and everything everybody's going to know that things are bad, and they're going to be looking for answers. They can't seem to find any of the answers. But boy, one's going to come on the scene. And one's going to seem to have the answers. The Bible says in Matthew 24 and 5 that we read, it said, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. A world that is full of violence, wars, rumors of wars will prepare the way for the Antichrist. Millions of lives, homes, families, and all else will be destroyed. A devastated people will turn to any leader who can bring peace and restoration. And they'll bring somebody, they'll believe in somebody and give it to somebody that they think, Can change the entire world. The whole world will give him the authority to 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 their hope do it all. But he's leading down a wrong track. Leading to a place of destruction. Remember what we read? You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. And that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. A world that is mocked with natural disaster after natural disaster will prepare the way for the Antichrist as well. Disaster after disaster will cause people to uh, quake in fear. Fear will drive people to a world leader who can compromise and promise and provide economic and medical help and all the aid that they would need. The Bible said there'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. A world that'll be torn apart religiously will prepare the way for the Antichrist. I believe we're getting close to that now because nobody knows what they believe. Nobody knows what they believe. I've talked with people and they'll give you some of the awfulest answers you've ever heard in your life. And you're like, where did you get that at? But they believe what they believe. There'll be division with the ranks of religion. There'll be division between what families believe and between neighbors. And uh, listen, it'll be sweeping the entire earth in the end times. This is going to cause people to turn for help in bringing peace between all religions. You know this one world religion and one world economy stuff. There's been a lot of word of that as of late. The Antichrist is not very long away from showing his head, which means the Lord Jesus Christ is not far away either. And then we read, that we're in the Bible, in Matthew 24, where we read, they shall, Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake, and then shall be many offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Folks, the world is full of hate. It's full of false religion. It's full of false preachers preparing the way for the Antichrist. False religion will leave your heart hungry for something more real. Therefore, they'll fall for the Antichrist because he's going to appear to be real. He's going to appear to be offering hope. Many shall rise and many shall deceive many. A world that falls more and more away from God, that experiences increasing sin. Sin just grows and grows and grows and a love that grows cold will prepare the way of the Antichrist. People will be bringing, uh, begging and, and, and looking for help and the, and the Antichrist will, will bring the help, trying to deal with lawlessness and drunkenness and drugs and cults and crime and so on and, and they'll look towards someone who can bring some kind of peace, some kind of care for the affliction that they've gone to and try to bring some type of love back to society. And they're going to look toward the one that is called the Antichrist. Iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. May I say tonight, I see it on a daily basis, iniquity abounding, sin abounding. I see it every day, the love of men waxing cold. In other words, they have no love toward God, they have no love toward fellow man, but only selfishness amongst themselves And for a world of sin that is headed toward total destruction. You pull it up on TV. You can turn the channel. You can get it on the radio. It's all these days about an easy believism. They'll say all you have to do tonight Ray Hamilton is just believe. And heaven will be your home. May I say there's more to heaven than believing tonight. I know a lot of people that believe in God, but are lost as a ball in high weeds and a bust hell wide open. Oh, but they're a believer. Okay, they believe in a supreme being. They believe in the God of heaven. They believe in Jesus' birth. They believe in the resurrection and death and the resurrection and the ascension. But where does this put them spiritually? I can believe that Aaron has on a tie tack shirt. I believe he's got on a tie shirt, and I believe it's got double Aaron on the, on, the, on the other side. I can believe that. I don't know what's on the shirt on the inside. He can tell me what's on that shirt. I either believe it or I don't. When a person believes that there is a God. And they never repent of their sin. They don't have salvation. If we don't have any repentance tonight. Asking the Lord Jesus to forgive us. There is no salvation. You can believe that the sky is dark and black tonight. But listen. If you don't have repentance in your heart. If you don't have repentance going to God. Then you won't have salvation. But that's what's being taught today. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. Live like. You know why people believe that they can believe in God and go to heaven. Live like hell itself and go to heaven. You know why they can believe all of this stuff? Because they've never had a true experience with salvation. They've never had a true experience. Uh, a Holy Ghost experience with the Lord Jesus Christ coming into their heart. Resurrecting a new man. Laying down the old. They've never become a new creature in Christ. But they believe it's okay. They just want something to tickle their ear. They want something that's just going to uh, uh, soothe their conscience for a little while. i got to move on or we won't get done tonight. Amen. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. Second seal, the thundering appearance of a red horse and its rider. Who is this rider who has power to take peace from the earth so that men will kill each other? He's the rider who is given a great sword. He is a rider of strife, of violence, of assault, of division, of abuse, of anger, hate, uprising, murder, insurrection, war, bloodshed. He's the rider who divides race against race, class against class, neighbor against neighbor, employee against employer, husband against wife, religion against religion, nation against nation. He's the rider who takes a piece from the earth and causes every kind of division that he can. He's the rider who destroys every human relationship that he can. Now, who is the rider upon this horse? John does not say... But note these facts. The last days will bring terrible days of evil and truce breaking. You see, the Bible tells us in Second Timothy chapter 3, "This Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. The last days will be terrible days of wars and rumors of wars. As we read in Matthew twenty four. And the devil himself is called the great red dragon. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, Revelation twelve, three, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. You see, the devil is a murderer and a great liar tonight. He's a deceiver and has been from the beginning. Now this great red rider I believe it's coming from the enemy. John 8 44. You are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie. He speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. The Antichrist will be the supreme representative of the devil upon earth. Earth will, he'll become a mass murderer and use the sword of both God's people and those who oppose him. One of the ways that he brings the world into subjection under his government. And, uh, so who is this rider upon the red horse? We can say that he either represents the lack of peace, the Antichrist and his government uh, bringing this world to himself. When the Antichrist and his government appear upon the world scene of human history he will bring peace and safety for a while but then there will be a break in his peaceful behavior. He and his government will explosively destroy the peace of the world. This will take place right before the great tribulation takes place. It's increased world violence that Christ predicted for the end time right before the great tribulation. That's when that's going to happen. So who is this red horse rider? It's going to be the Antichrist. You mean the Antichrist is going to be representative of more than one? Yes. Let's continue to look. Verse 5 and 6. The third seal. Then you have the black horse and its rider. This rider also seems to be the Antichrist and his power to control the economy And the distribution of food. Food will be rationed during the end time. Remember there will be more wars. And conflicts and violence. Raging all over the world. During the end time. The result of war. Is often famine. And the end times. As we know it. Will be no different. The only difference is that the famine. Will be far more severe. And involve far more people. The end times. will see and. Intensification of all the terrible sufferings known to man. This writer has a set of scales with him, if you remember correctly, as we read in the scripture. And he's measuring out wheat. And wheat or barley was the basic food for people in John's day. He took a, I want you to note that the scripture tells us it took a penny to buy a measure of wheat, it's about a quart. And a penny to buy three measures of barley. Now a penny in these days was about a day's wage. So if you can imagine working and earning only enough money to buy what food was needed for that day. What would a person do about feeding his family? Providing the other necessities of life. Such as housing and heat and clothing and transportation. Well, this is going to be a real situation there in the end time. Right before the great tribulation is to take place. And this writer controls the food distribution. Probably one way that he gains control over the world. At least for a season. The idea is that the food's going to be strictly controlled. There will be plenty of oil and wine. But how could... Oil and wine give you the necessities of what you need. It's going to be a difficult time. A very, very difficult time. We're going to see famine after famine all over the world. And it'll take all a man can do to survive. If we look at verse 7 and 8, the fourth seal. And the appearance of a pale horse and its rider. One translator gives the word as and makes it an ashy pale horse. Black and blue, if you will, as it is made so by bruising. Yet we're not here at the end of time as we know it. This horseman, just as the other three, is to appear before the end time. But what happens under his attack... Causes such devastation that it boggles and weakens the mind. This writer also seems to represent the terrible devastation caused by the Antichrist and his government, and the anti, or just the Antichrist in himself. Two significant things are given about this pale writer: the writer, the Antichrist. We're going to name him the Antichrist as well. Has a name. That name's death. And sitting right behind him is hell. Or Hades is following him. The realm of the dead. His very name announces that some terrible devastation is about to be set loose upon this earth. The writer, the Antichrist, is given power to cause unbelievable pain and suffering. He is personally responsible, will be personally responsible for killing one-fourth of the people on earth. Unbelievable. How can one rider possibly kill one fourth of the people? A number that would equal over way over one billion people today. Four ways he's gonna do it. The sword can help him kill that many people. That is war, genocide, deliberately setting a policy destroy to destroy certain races or groups of people it would take someone like a hitler to launch uh, launch that type of attack uh, be worse than hitler ever was perhaps some type of an atomic or nuclear war upon the earth or someone like that to launch some type of world war wide world holocaust hunger and starvation will help kill many of the people a riot will starve people and cause famine due to the wars and due to the rationing of food. Folks, these are dark days that are going to be just lying ahead of us. Very dark days. Reports tell us that while we slept last night, there were over 40,000 children alone. Who starved to death. And yet think of all the money we have in our pockets. And of the money. That so many are putting in the bank. And yet tens and thousands of people. Are still starving every day. It's going to be a whole lot worse than that. Pestilence. Will help kill many a people. Germ warfare. Diseases. That result from unsanitary conditions. Possibly of refugee concentration camps, war and genocide. Think of the outcome of disease that will occur when the next war breaks out. There always seems to be some type of sicknesses that follow wars. Whether people were over in the desert fighting the battles. There's sicknesses that came back with some of those soldiers. They brought it back with them. Many of the wars in the past, uh, there were a lot of outbreaks and diseases that popped up. Epidemics, smallpox, pol- polio, measles, uh, diphtheria, a lot of, lot of things. But also wild beast. Wild beast will help kill many people. Due to wars and the transplanting of people, billions of people, especially children. Many will be homeless. And this rider, this pale horse rider, is going to be responsible for exposing people to the beast in the forest and jungles who will be just trying to find somewhere to find shelter and to eat. People will be competing against those beasts to find food. So the picture of the four horsemen of the apocalypse is not a pretty picture. Nevertheless, any thinking and honest person knows that it's a real possibility with all the weapons of war that exist today. The truth is, Holy Scripture said it's going to happen. It'll happen right before the events of the end time are to be launched by God. But as terrible as the four horsemen events are, They're not the worst judgments that are to take place on the earth. The worst still lie ahead when the end time itself is launched. This that we read about tonight is fairly mild to what it's going to look like during the great tribulation. These judgments are just the sealed judgments. The end time judgments are called the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. May God help us to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight for salvation before the end does come. Because whether we realize it or not, He's the only hope that we've got. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can forgive. He's the only one that can heal. He's the only one that can shelter you and I from those things that are to come. And give the strength that we need to walk through this wicked world that we're living in today. Folks, listen. Like I said earlier, I know the message ain't popular tonight. But does that change the word of God? It doesn't change it one bit. We can come in. Listen, there's enough things in this Bible that I could come in here and. Be an encouragement to you every service and try to lift you up and build you up and make you feel all giddy and happy when you leave. Nothing wrong with that. There's a time for that. But you know what? We can't tiptoe around the truth tonight. We can't tiptoe around the souls of men. God called me to be a preacher. And when I accepted that call, I took it seriously. Seriously. You got to preach the good that's in the book and you got to preach that that some people might think that's not so good. Sometimes it steps on our toes. Sometimes it brings us to a point to where we just have to cry out to God for forgiveness. But that isn't that what we're supposed to be doing anyway tonight. Crying out to the Lord. We've all sinned come short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. But thank God for His goodness, His graces, and His mercy tonight. We don't have to die and go to hell. We don't have to go through the tribulation. Because I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient tonight. You stand as she comes and gets us a song of invitation. See, play softly if you've got a need. I you know we've already had altar prayer, but you may want to come around and pray for a specific need in your life. If you hear you don't know Jesus as your Savior, let me invite you to come know Him. Father, we love you. We thank you for all your mercies. All of your grace. Thank you, God, for giving us wisdom. Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to read and ponder the book. Help us to remain truthful to the book. Help us to remain true unto thee. Lord, I fail you in many ways. But God, I confess to you tonight, I know the truth. And I thank God that you are the truth. The way and the life. Help those that have needs tonight. We'll surely thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.